and welcome to the Elite Eight edition of the NFL Megapod here on the lines. It is Matt Brown, it is Adam Candy, it is Steven Andrus, and we are going to run through each and every game, just four of them this week, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, give you all of our thoughts on the game, whether we have bets or not, talk about what we do like, don't like about the spread, over-unders, and any player props that come along as well. We do have the two one seeds coming off of that first round bye, so hadn't seen them in a hot minute. Both of those teams rested the majority of their starters, not all for the 49ers there in week 18, but got them out of there in timely fashion. So we haven't seen the full squad for the Ravens and the 49ers in a couple of weeks. So we'll try to break that down as well. But guys, let's kick things off here. Houston Texans and the Baltimore Ravens. This is 430 Eastern on Saturday. As we sit right now, nine and a half across the board in favor of the home team Ravens, 43 and a half is your total. So, uh, Adam, there was the there was the hope from Ravens fans that Mark Andrews was going to make it back this week. We get word uh, a little bit before we start recording here on a Friday that he is not going to be activated, that he is not quite ready, possibly for next week should they advance. So that would be a big boost for them, but he's not going to be back out there for them. As I mentioned, Ravens rested all of their starters in week 18. So it's been a full two weeks since these guys have taken the field. We know what we saw in the Texans last week, not really a weather game here, but just of note cold, there will be some wind and and it could affect like super downfield stuff, but it's not anything that's going to be kind of affecting on things on a down to down basis. Nine and a half, 43 and a half. What do you see here? What I see, Matt, is a game that gives off a lot of similarities to the other game involving a one seed where you have a young quarterback with an ascendant offense and you have to try to figure out in your handicap how much do you believe in what you've seen from this somewhat unproven offense against a number one seed that has the opportunity to rest all of its players and has been sitting and waiting. And do you buy into the narrative about rest being good or do you buy into the narrative about rust being bad? So for me, when it comes to Houston, this injury report did not break particularly well for the Houston Texans. And for me, it is Texans or pass. And I think the way the injury report breaks based on the defense, for me, it's ultimately going to be a pass. Because where I would look to this game is to say, I think that Houston offensively, with the way C.J. Stroud has been playing, can keep this game within nine and a half. But the leak for me within that is that they got to have the ball to be able to do it. And if this defense for the Texans, especially at the defensive line and linebacker level, is as beaten up as it is, I think there's a pretty possible game script for the Baltimore Ravens to be able to run this ball a lot and be able to keep the ball for large, large swaths of time during this game. So I know you guys have probably a lot more in-depth Thoughts, I'll turn the floor over to you if either of you have stronger conviction on a side or a total than I do. Yeah, on that injury report, it, it actually turned out pretty much best-case scenario for the Texans. Only only one guy ruled out, one guy listed as questionable, um, and everybody else ended up not with any, any sort of injury designation for the week. So all that linebacking core, all of those guys ended up, despite the fact being limited in a couple practices all week, weren't even given any sort of game status for all of this. Leads me to believe that this, giving those guys some rest was the reason for the limited practices for them. But the only guy ruled out, Jerry Hughes, defensive end, is not going to play for the Texans. Andrew Beck is a fullback, is listed as questionable 
for them. George Fant listed as questionable, but it was an illness for him. wasn't actually an injury for him listed as questionable. And those are the only three players on the Texans side that have any sort of injury designation. On the Ravens side of things, we did get word Marlon Humphrey will be out for them in that secondary. So if you find that to be any sort of uh, any sort of anything that moves the line for you, and as we mentioned, Mark Andrews not going to make it back for this week. Stephen, what do you see here? Ravens and Texans uh, side total props, anything like that? I want to preface everything I say on this week's pod with the amount of confidence I had for Wild Card Weekend is not there for me this week. I think it's really tight this week. There are some things I shared in the Lines.com Discord earlier in the week that just aren't there anymore. It's not even worth mentioning because it's not going to help anybody. So I just want to at least preface everything I'm going to say on this week's pod with my confidence level is not very high this week. But at least for this matchup, a couple interesting things I see. Number one, all the talk about the Ravens changing their offense this season, going to Todd Munkin at OC. All well and good, more well-rounded, certainly had some explosive games this year against respectable opponents, but the way in which they're running their offense, at least in terms of run versus pass, hasn't changed all that much. This is still the number one most run-heavy team by play percentage this season, and that is a bad matchup against this defense for the Texans, who ranks number one in the NFL in rushing defense success rate. So, I do think Lamar Jackson's going to have to you know, carry the load here more so than maybe Baltimore would like in any given week in this matchup. Matt, I agree with you. The weather and the wind doesn't concern me at this point as much as it, it did earlier in the week. It's getting uh, not to be as severe as, as you know some of the games we saw last week. So um, not too much of a downgrade there. On the other side, C.J. Stroud, yes, he just obliterated the number one EPA defense in the league this year in the Cleveland Browns and Baltimore's number two, but I think they do it in very different ways. I have grown to have a ton of respect for Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator. I think he's one of the handful of coaches in the NFL that will game plan week to week will change how much man and zone coverage that he plays week to week, more so than most of the defenses in the NFL. A lot of times in the NFL, the defense is what you see is what you get. Like For just one of many examples, the Colts play a ton of zone defense. They don't change that any week. It's always the same. The Ravens change all the time. It's, it's almost Belichickian in the way McDonald does that. He game plans for the opponent. So I think that that is going to make it a lot tougher for C.J. Stroud in this matchup against a defense that led the NFL in sacks this season. So I've just talked about a lot of defense there. That's why I bet under 44 in this game. That's why I think I would still bet under 43 and a half in this game. Uh, 43 would definitely be a stopping point with it kind of being a key number in terms of totals. Yeah, so let's... Let's look here. I agree. Baltimore's defense is very, very good. Let's just play devil's advocate here. I, this is not, I'm not trying to make a position here. Let's just discuss the game overall, right? So, Adam, agreed. Baltimore's defense is very, very good. But we also know that the Browns' defense was very good. I get it that the Texans were at home, and this is on the road, and it was indoors, and this is outdoors, and all of that. But this was a top-five pass defense in the NFL and C.J. Stroud and company came in and just shredded them. I mean, absolutely nuked them through the air. I'm not saying that they can repeat that for sure against Baltimore, but we didn't think it was going to happen against the Browns, so why are we just writing it off that it's that it's a certainty 
that Houston can't repeat at least some form of what we saw last week against Baltimore. That's what I was saying about what do you believe about these offenses and about these young quarterbacks because it's going to be a similar handicap when it comes down to Jordan Love and the Packers against the 49ers defense. You're going to end up asking a lot of the same questions. And so it brings us to a philosophical thing. And this is something for me that has been the case that I'd say for at least three, four years for me is that I've moved away from betting on defense. Uh, It's just not repeatable week after week the way that offense is. And so if you were big on Cleveland, okay, well, you saw what happened. If you were big on a Dallas defense that by a lot of metrics because of some of the huge performances they had was great, well, you saw what happened to them last week. And so could you blame some of it on injury? We said Denzel Ward wasn't full speed for the Browns last week, but it was a lot more than that when it came down to how Houston played. And I just want to get to something philosophical about what Matt said, um, because he kind of went 180 on me with the Houston Texans defense and how the report broke. Uh, Just because they didn't end up with designations that could keep them out of the game does not mean that those guys are not injured and potentially not at full speed. And so that, for me, is just a philosophical thing. Matt can look at it and say, hey, this is as good as it gets because these guys didn't end up with designations. I can look at it and say, yeah, the question marks for me in terms of guys who are hampered in some way are in the wrong spots for me against the Ravens. But I certainly understand where Matt's coming from. Yeah, Steve. So if we take a look, um, the Houston defense over the course of the entire season was very good against the run. We know that Baltimore leans on the run fairly heavily, though they did balance it out a little bit more over the course of the season this year with Lamar and throwing the ball and, and things like that. But so let's just say in a hypothetical world that this Houston defense really does step up here and makes it very difficult for Baltimore to run. If Baltimore has to become, and let's not say one-dimensional, but certainly shift offensive focus, philosophy of instead of being really balanced, being more pass-heavy than they would like to be, does that at all change your thoughts or your handicap on how this game might go? Does it make the Houston side seem more interesting to you because of that? Or do you think that Lamar has proven, and and let's be fair, he's going to win the MVP. He He was very efficient this year with whatever they asked him to do. Do you think Lamar has matured enough as a quarterback to where even if he does have to throw more than what they would like to in the game plan entering this game, that you would still feel comfortable in them being able to to win the game by double digits? I'm not running to the window to lay nine and a half with the Ravens regardless here because I, you know, to use what Mo Noir likes to say, I don't have the coach's cell phone and don't know if they're going to abandon the run as much as I would hope they would in this matchup, but uh I do like the matchup when they are passing the ball, Matt, to at least halfway answer your question. The Texans have been a bottom half of the league pass defense by the advanced metrics for most of the season. And Lamar Jackson has proven that he can throw the ball when asked. I mean, against Miami, he had 15 yards per attempt and five touchdowns. Against San Francisco, he had seven yards per attempt and two touchdowns, which was you know pretty good against that defense. So he's he's had plenty of big games down the stretch to show that he can take care of the ball, not give it away like we've seen in previous postseason renditions. And, you know, I this is probably the best chance Lamar Jackson has ever had to win a playoff game, right? Like he's been favored before, but not quite like this with this much support around him. 
Um, so if I thought that they were going to, you know, be more, a lot more pass heavy than they have been for most of the season, then yeah, I, I would probably lean Ravens here, but I don't know that for sure. I'll tell you guys um, one one angle that I was looking at and certainly want to get your thoughts here on this one. We know that it's, Hey, it's playoff time. People are going to do whatever it takes to get it done. Right. Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud's rushing prop is sitting at eight and a half yards. And if you look at this and if we believe that you're going to get a defense in this Raven squad that look, they play a lot. They, they, they play a lot of zone. They play, and I know that typically rushing quarterbacks, you want them to play man because they have their backs turned. But also, if you're C.J. Stroud, who's been very good with the ball this year, like, I mean, at the for a rookie quarterback, as far as, like, putting the ball in danger, yeah, there's a couple of games you can look at where there was a bunch of turnover-worthy plays. But by and large, he has not thrown the ball into really terrible spots uh, for the vast majority of the season. I can see where he looks and like, man, this, everybody's covered and stuff like taking the three yards here, taking the two yards here. Like, I don't know if you get this done on one rush um, with CJ Stroud, although it certainly could be, you know, we've seen, I mean, hell, we saw Baker Mayfield on a broken ankle and broken ribs last week run for an 11 yard scramble, but could it get done on one? Sure. But I wonder if we can't get four just to hell with it. I'm going to take what they give me type runs out of CJ Stroud here and get us to nine rushing yards. It just seems low to me in a playoff game where we know everything is going to be on the line. I kind of open the floor to either one of you, if you would like to comment on that. Well, I just don't know how much man or zone the Ravens are going to play any given week. Right. So uh, it's a low number. I'll give you that. And we do know that they are going to probably mix man and zone to some degree in this game. Um, so there will be some, some man coverage opportunities for Stroud to run. I just, we just don't know how much that's just the nature of McDonald's yeah. defenses. Yeah. It's pretty interesting, uh, for me, a Adam, I know you, you usually, you usually talk a lot of totals and things like that. Um, what is the, what is the game script for someone who wants to bet the over? And then what is the game script here for somebody who, who wants to, to bet the under, I'm assuming it's just Houston's offense works. I mean, like, because if Houston's offense works, then you probably think that this total is way too low. Well, I think if you are trying to figure out a total, you have to figure out, do you think Houston will have the ball? Because I believe if Houston has the ball, Houston's offense will work. And to add a layer to that, make sure you are not using the first game these teams played this year as any Please sort don't. of guide yes. uh, as for what will happen in this one. It was the very first game of the season, and C.J. Stroud looked like a rookie in that first game of the season. He's not going to look nearly as much like a rookie in this one. Uh, to the point of what we're talking about here with the total in this game, I don't have a strong conviction. I really don't have a strong conviction on either side uh, or total here, but so to your point, Matt, the only way that I can make you a case toward over is that the Houston Texans offensive line holds up. And they have uh, really the, the second half of the season, especially once they got fully healthy. It's been a good offensive line. So I do believe that there's that case. And I would also factor in the Marlon Humphrey injury in the Ravens secondary is potentially big in terms of how they're going to match up with Nico Collins. The only other thing I'll point out here and then we'll move on uh, CJ Stroud's pass attempts line is 
currently set at 34 and a half. And really, it depends on how you think the game is going to go. If you're all over the Ravens, I think you should also be all over C.J. Stroud over pass attempts. And if you're more on the Texan side of things, then you should be leaning pretty heavily towards the under with all of it. Um, but if we look at the over, if, if they're going to be trailing in this game, the attempt stuff from Stroud's going to be pretty good because not only will they have to abandon the run and throw a ton, but like they're pretty efficient passing the ball, right? So we're not going to get a lot of three and outs, specifically in soft coverage. Stroud's been very accurate this year. They know how to kind of move the ball and chip the ball down the field between those big splash plays that we've seen in Nico Collins as well. So I think an over on that, if you're if you're pretty heavy on the Ravens side of things, like there can easily be two fourth quarter drives in which there's eight pass attempts from Stroud apiece. Like you, you could get 16 just on two drives of them just taking the little four yard balls as they matriculate the ball down the field and and things like that. So something to also consider. Uh, I got one more prop, so, Matt. Yep. One more quick prop. The, now that we know that Mark Andrews isn't going to play, I thought Zay Flowers' receiving prop was maybe a tad low. 47 and a half is available out there. Uh, since their bye week in week 13, he's had 60-plus receiving yards in three of those four games. And he's had 10-plus targets in two of them. The One of the games where he only had three targets, well, he had a 75-yard touchdown. So he still got over that prop number there as well. I, I just think he is clearly the number one target for Lamar since Mark Andrews has been out. And I think a number under 50 is probably a little too low on him. And my final thought on this game is I do wonder how much it matters that you know, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator again for the Ravens, was successful against Kyle Shanahan in that Niners game, was successful against the Shanahan disciple and Mike McDaniel in the Dolphins game, and now faces another one from that coaching tree with Bobby Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator from, who came from San Francisco as well. I, I just wonder about that. I don't know the answer for sure, obviously, but it's it's at least an interesting angle for me. I ultimately ended up taking the Ravens down to two and a half. And no, I didn't do a seven point teaser. If anyone's wondering, like, so this is kind of new to me. I know rest of country, you guys have been able to do this for a while, but basically I'm just kind of like making my own teaser. Essentially. So I took the Ravens down to two and a half and then I pulled the chiefs up later. And we'll talk about that, but I didn't take the full uh, six points. So basically I just took like two alt, line par like I parlayed two alt lines and ended up with a number that was cheaper than doing a traditional teaser anyway right and so I was able to get the Chiefs on the other side of seven and get the Ravens on the underside of three and it still was only minus 120 which is cheaper than a lot of the uh you, stuff that you minus one are you serious most most books won't even deal you a straight teaser minus 120 right now yeah so i got that's great yeah ravens at two and a half and then the and then the chiefs up to seven and a half so it's i only took five points with the chiefs and then i only but then i took the full seven with the ravens to take that down to uh to two and a half so anyway that's how i played that one if anybody was wondering All right, Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers. This is nine and a half, though. It looks like there might be tens coming again. Um, There are some juiced nine and a halves out there in favor of the 49ers at home over the Packers. 50 and a half is our total. Not much movement on... Uh, the, 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 the spread or the total here, Steven, I mean, this was, this was 10, it got bought, the tens got scooped up and it just sat nine and a half and has been sitting nine and a half for a long time. It opened about 50 on the total, got bet up to 50 and a half. And it's just sat at 50 and a half, like not a ton 
of action here on this one, one way or the other. I actually do have a couple of bets in this one, but I'll let you guys get going. Uh, Packers, 49ers, anything in your account for this one? Well, first of all, it looks like the weather concerns may be much to do about nothing in this game. It looks like around kickoff Saturday night, there's you know a less than 50% chance now of rain, and, and there was never much of a wind concern in this game. So um, that initial movement on the total down for the weather early in the week may be um, – uh, not great come kickoff. So um, <clears throat> I am going to bet Niners minus nine and a half here. It's mm-hmm. going to be a smaller bet. It's it's again, not huge confidence, but you know, in my opinion, I think this is a bit of a discount from what this number would have been a few weeks ago. Um, I think 10 is the minimum this should be for the Niners. I think a lot is being put into what we saw from the Packers in that Cowboys game, which was, you know, if, if you've been watching the tape grinders, complete coaching, malpractice, complete miscommunication from the Cowboys secondary in that game, having linebackers line up on wide receivers. So there's really not much I can take away from what the Packers did in that game coming out in 12 personnel and two tight end sets. The Niners are fantastic defensively when offenses come out in 12 personnel. They're fourth in yards per play. They were third in yards per pass attempt. They were second in rushing uh, yards per attempt. So it's not just that either. It's, you know, the other narrative I've heard is, well, Aaron Jones is going to have a lot of success running the ball in this game. Look at the 49ers metrics by EPA and success rate stopping the run this season and you know on the surface i think that's you know fair but i think you need to dig a little deeper here this is a 49ers team that played with the lead a ton this year there was a ton of garbage time if you filter out garbage time and my definition of that is when the 49ers have a greater than 80 percent win probability in the game so any play not that the 49ers rush d success rate was actually 13th from week nine on, they were sixth. That's a lot better than if you just look at it surface level and say, well, they were 24th and 23rd overall and from week nine on stopping the run. So I, I'm not sure that argument of the Packers being able to run the ball in this matchup with Aaron Jones back is valid either. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think we're getting a little bit of a discount here, even though it is a big number at nine and a half, Matt. Adam, it is uh it's fairly fairly interesting here. It is a team in the Niners that we know offensively when going absolute truck can hit you with every single angle there is in the book. McCaffrey running, McCaffrey out of the backfield, Ayuk on the on the boundaries, Kittle over the middle and Debo any friggin' way that they want to utilize him to to go after you as well. But there is this defense does have some mediocrity to it. I mean, listen, not like bad at all, but just league average and a little bit in a little bit low league average in a lot of stuff out there. I'm not convinced the Packers can't move the ball on them. What say you? You're basically cribbing my handicap and I'll tell you how I'd want to go after that particular handicap because I think what you're saying would lean people toward over, right? If you're going to play over for me, isolate that down to the Niners. I don't want to try to figure out the variance on Green Bay with Jordan Love in his first road uh, playoff game in San Francisco, where in Dallas, come on, guys, like we, we saw, I, I said prior to that game that 
I really was worried about my teaser because of Mike McCarthy. And you know, <laughs> he, he did Mike McCarthy things. Now we're going to go into an environment against a much different opponent uh, going to San Francisco. So I think the ball will move for both of these teams. I'm just not convinced that it's going to lead to points necessarily for Green Bay. I'm not sure they're going to be able to sustain drives, and I'm not sure the explosives are going to be there for them against San Francisco. So a couple ways that I like to look in this game. The first, and this might be my favorite bet of the week, Aaron Jones receiving prop right now is 18 and a half yards. If you think about the way that this game is likely to play out, there are so many ways to get the ball into his hands as a receiver that play into the likely game scripts. Let's start with this. If you're thinking that Jordan Love is going to be under a heavy pass rush from San Francisco, then you know Matt LaFleur is smart enough to pull the screen game out and use Aaron Jones in that way. Okay, what if the pass rush is there and it's not a designed uh, pass to Aaron Jones? Will Jordan Love be looking for checkdowns? then Aaron Jones is likely to be there as well. And if we're talking about the screen game in particular, you can get to 18 and a half on one catch and carry if that ultimately ends up being the way they decide to go after it. So I like that in terms of the ability for the Packers to move the ball. On the other side, you just mentioned, Matt, Debo Samuel any which way. The rushing prop right now is 16 and a half on Debo Samuel. And once again, it's a rushing prop that could get there on one carry and I don't think it's going to be one carry. I think misdirection is going to be a lot of what Kyle Shanahan is going to rely on in this game against Green Bay and against the defense that has shown that it can be had and that at times has had communication issues. So to me, I want to isolate this game down to the things that I feel really confident in within the offenses, right? I think there is a game script in which Green Bay scores 10 or 14 points in this game. I don't think it's the most likely, but it's enough of a probability for me that I don't want to bet over a huge number that's up at 50, 50 and a half. I don't want to get involved with that, but I would like to be able to isolate down some variables. And if you really feel like you want to get involved with the, the total, I would probably be going with San Francisco, even at 30 and a half. I still think you have to look over on San Francisco because this green Bay defense is not it. It has not been it all season long. And even the Cowboys in the game state that they were in, found a way through the back door with 32 points. And that shows you, I think, that Green Bay's defense is not what you would like it to be in a game like this. I uh, I did go ahead and play it, though. Uh, I played over 50. Um, it is, to me, 49ers scored 30 points in nine games this season. Um, three of those games were without Debo Samuel. Those were the three games that they were on the skid, the three games that they actually looked like a normal football team as opposed to this God football team that they basically did the rest of the season. Um, and then the other one was week 18 in which they didn't play starter. Like, so like four of the games that they didn't score 30 points, one was a throwaway and three were the ones that they were injured either on the offensive line or without Debo Samuel as well. So I expect them to score 30 in this game. I expect them maybe they could even approach 40. And if that's the case, I'm getting 50. And even if the Packers can only muster two touchdowns, I'm still getting there um, with all of that. That being said, I do think that the Packers can go blow for blow here with the 49ers. This is an offense that over the second half of the season, as we mentioned last week, has just been it's been one of the very best offenses in the league. Jordan Love has been one of the very best quarterbacks in the league. And if you break down 
one of the things about this game that I think is at least fairly interesting, like San Francisco doesn't get a ton of pressure on the quarterback. They're about league average when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback and they don't blitz very often. They blitz at one of the lowest rates in the entire league. So love should actually have some time and should actually be able to hit some of these weapons that, that have basically come out of nowhere. Right. I mean, we certainly didn't have Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks on our, on our radars to start the season, you know, but like that's, that's where we are right now. And I just can't argue what I've seen over the, I, I wanted, I was wrong about Jordan love. I was wrong about this offense. I was wrong about everything. I thought these wide receivers weren't the dudes and these guys are making the plays. These guys are getting it done. So I played over 50. I also took the 10 with green Bay. So I'm on the opposite side here of Steven. If I think that they go blow for blow, this goes hand in hand for me, because I think if this goes, if they go blow for blow and the over gets there, then the 10 is going to get there as well for, for green Bay. Like I don't see this being just a complete whitewash one way or or the other, given what Green Bay's offense has been able to do. And again, like San Francisco's defense can be had. Like this is not an impenetrable defense. They they can be had for sure. And Green Bay has shown time and time and time again over the second half of the season that they've been able to just go out and, and dissect a lot of these defenses that we thought were pretty good. And so I did that as well. One other angle here that I will bring up, um, we saw Green Bay take the ball when they won the toss last week against Dallas. We know San Francisco, if they win, they will defer. So any sort of first score in the game, first touchdown score, first field goal, first any first anything for Green Bay might be an interesting angle here for kind of an instant gratification bet because it's very rare that we kind of have a decent idea of who's going to get the ball first in the game. Uh, Matt, I would add into that idea, just keep in mind that if you're someone who's going to play a real micro market like first drive result, you're very likely that Green Bay, if they have the ball first, is going to be starting from its own 25 or 30 yard line and it's going to have to go a fairly long way to get those points as well. The uh, first touchdown scorer market in this game is fairly interesting, and which is why it just kind of, if you want to go in and try and and play that angle that there's at least a decent idea of what's going on because you go down four names before you even get to the first Packer. So it's McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle, Ayuk before you even get to Aaron Jones, right? And so it's just one of those deals where the books obviously are, are waiting it properly because it is highly likely that McCurshie McCaffrey is going to be the first touchdown scorer in this game if the Packers don't score on the opening drive. But should the Packers score on the opening drive, then I think there's value basically on any one of these Packers that you're getting. And it's very rare. Like I said, it's very rare that we kind of have an idea of who's going to get the ball first because the 49ers are going to defer and the Packers seem like they want to get the ball and try to not get behind in a game with that defense of theirs that hasn't played very well. So along those angles, I've been kind of just like messing around with some <clears throat> same game parlays on, you know, you can get Packers, plus two and a half first quarter same game parlayed with Niners money line. And that's actually uh plus one forty nine. Um, even though the, the Niners full game money line is like minus four fifty right now. So you can get a little bump off of the, off of the Packers first quarter. If you like that mm -hmm. angle, considering they are in all likelihood going to get the ball first here. Um, so just, I don't know what, what's your reaction to that, Matt? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 interesting ways to play it. I mean, the the, th the thing that really jumped out to me is just like if we think they're going to get the ball first, if we think that like on a scripted first drive they would they would they would be high, more likely to have success than 
then later on in the game and all that, like Jaden Reed scored 10 touchdowns for the Packers this year, right? I mean, like the dude scored 10 touchdowns, eight receiving and two rushing. They gave him two rushing touchdowns as well, right? So, and he's 14, 15, 16 to one to be the first touchdown scorer. So it's like, you could like make your week on the opening drive of, of, of this game. Just, I don't know. It's just, it was an angle I, I thought was worth at least mentioning, right? Like the worth, worth bringing up, but ultimately I like the over. Ultimately I like the Packers to keep this within double digits. So I took the plus 10 on that. Um, what I will say is it's nine and a half right now. I think we'll see a 10 again. I would hold off if you want to play the Packers at this juncture. Like I said, there are juiced nine and a halfs out there right now as it is anyway. People, the, ca- the, the casual better, the the general public hasn't even bet this game yet. They haven't even looked at it. So, I mean, when they do, they're going to bet the 49ers. And so with that, I think you'll see some 10s flash. You'll just have to get on them when they flash because they'll probably get gobbled up like they did the first time with the, uh, when, when the uh, plus 10 showed up. One more uh, along those lines we mentioned. I said two and a half earlier at our show sponsor, Bet MGM. You can actually get Packers plus three and a half first quarter parlayed with mm. Niners to win the game at plus 120. You can get plus three and a half in the they're first quarter you... with the Packers? Damn. Yeah, they're, le- right. they're letting you parlay those together in the same that's game parlay. All right. That's, that's interesting. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tampa Bay Bucks and the Detroit Lions. This is now six and a half across the board in favor of the home team Lions. 48 and a half is the low number on the board. 49, your prevailing total in this game. Adam, I was wrong. Like I said, I had no numerical backing uh, last week for the Eagles other than the fact that Baker Mayfield looked like a dude that was having trouble talking in his Week 18 post, post-game interview. And then he went out and played the game of his life. So I've said this a million times before. I want the injured quarterback experience, like for a week in my life. It's got to be better than heroin. Like, I mean, like it's, I mean, it's just like... You, you go in and everyone is just catering to your every everything for a week solid. And then Baker Mayfield comes out a completely new human being when he like couldn't spit out a sentence basically post game the week before. I'm telling you, this is that this is it. Give me the injured quarterback experience one time in my life. Um, this was 
Five and a half on the open, Adam, went to six, now up to six and a half. So a lot of Lions money uh, has been coming in on this thing. Total's pretty stagnant sitting there at the uh, at the 49. What say you? There's only one side that I like this week, and you're probably going to say, oh, this guy's been on Tampa Bay all year long. He was hot on them for the division. He's been hot on them game by game, and I watched all of – Eagles Bucks and I watched all of Lions Rams and the first thing that I looked across the couch to my significant other and said was the Lions are going to smash Tampa Bay this week uh that is my that is my firmly held opinion um we did not learn anything about Tampa Bay last week because the Philadelphia Eagles They did not show up for that game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We learned nothing about whether Tampa Bay can hang with a good team. However, I think the Lions faced down probably the biggest threat they could have faced last week in a Rams team that we all thought was live to get out of the NFC. And look, they got lucky in certain ways, right? They allowed 7.7 yards per play on defense. Not that we didn't know that the Lions' defense struggles. But Sean McVay made some in-game decisions that ended up costing the Rams some points, and the Lions survived it. Tampa's defense is not, to me, better than the Rams' defense, and the Rams' offense is certainly better than, than Tampa's. And so you set it up for me this week with a Lions team that somehow was able to get Sam Laporta on the field last week and make him a more effective option than we thought. And a Tampa Bay team that we've already seen the Lions hold to six points in the game that they played earlier this season. Um, I do not see the game script for Tampa Bay to win this outright. I don't even necessarily see the, the game script for Tampa Bay to be able to chase this game effectively, in part as well, because the return of Aline McNeil definitely helped the Detroit Lions defensively in that front and Baker Mayfield despite the fact that he had a pretty good game last week a lot of yards after catch still a lot of pressure by the Eagles on him and some cracks starting to show in the offensive line for Tampa Bay so I only like one side this week it is probably not the one you would have expected I would lay it all the way up to seven with the Lions I didn't end up on a side in this one I did end up on the over 48 and a half um, look, the one thing here is both of these run defenses are good and Tampa can't run the ball anyway, like worth, worth a damn. And so I think we're going to just going to get tons and tons of passing in this thing. We know for sure that both of these secondaries can be had. I think that the lions are able to move the ball up and down the field on the bucks pretty easily given what their offense has been able to do. And then Honestly, I think the Bucs will be able to do the same. I mean, if we look in, the one thing I think to to point out here is with the Lions, they won, and that's fine. But the Rams got st- stalled out in the red zone, like, like basically every single time they went down there, right? I mean, like they were having to settle for three instead of getting the seven, and that just changed the way that the game was going. But like the Rams were moving the ball on this Lions team a lot. And so I think the Bucs will also be able to to do that as well. I like points being scored here, so I took the over 48 and a half. 49 is fine um, if you want to play that as well. I, I see I see points in this one, Stephen. What say you? 
Yeah, I can't push back on you too much on that one. Uh, Adam surprised me. That's not what I thought he was going to say. That's that's awesome. Uh, so this show is going to be the Lions show, and then beat the closing number with Eli and Mo is going to be the Bucks show. So if you want to hear the Bucks side of this, go listen to that. What I'm going to do is give the rebuttal to what you will hear on Beat the Closing Number about Jared Goff and handling pressure, et cetera. I think that has been a bit overblown this week. And admittedly, I have twisted my brain into a pretzel for with this game more than any other this divisional playoff weekend. So keep that in mind. Uh, I bet Lions minus five and a half at open. That's gone. Six and a half is is pricey, but I would only bet Lions at this point. I agree with Adam on that. So to the narrative that Jared Goff melts under pressure. When blitz this season, which is what Tampa Bay does to generate pressure, he has almost 1,900 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 65% completion percentage. Only Brock Purdy threw more touchdowns against the blitz only Jordan Love completed more passes against the Blitz this year. Those are great numbers against the Blitz for, for Jared Goff. In the first meeting against Tampa Bay this year, it was it was a mash unit offensively. They didn't have Jameer Gibbs. They, didn't, they lost David Montgomery early in the game. Mm-hmm. So the offense became one-dimensional in what should have been a death sentence if Jared Goff melts under pressure because they were so pass-heavy at that point. They were also missing... One of their offensive linemen, Jonah Jackson, in that game. Jamison Williams was only on his second game back from suspension, and he's not allowed in the building by NFL rule when you're suspended, so it takes longer to get reacclimated once that ends. So they had less than two yards per carry on the ground in that game against Tampa Bay, and still Jared Goff threw for 350 passing yards, eight yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And in games when he's had his fully healthy offensive line, Against the Blitz, he's got 12 touchdowns and only one interception. So I think he's just fine with a fully healthy offense. And the last thing I'll say is Colt McCoy had an awesome video. He was doing it with our partner Underdog this week. I would invite everybody to go watch it. He was breaking down how Detroit handled pressure in the first meeting against Tampa Bay. And frankly, offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is brilliant. He's a genius. It's why he's got too many head coaching interviews to count uh, going into this game. It was a very simple solution with how they handled Detroit's pressure or uh, Tampa Bay's pressure. They got out of the huddle and immediately snapped the ball. They ran to the line of scrimmage and snapped the ball. It didn't allow Tampa Bay to get aligned properly. It didn't allow them to communicate. They had hot routes. Amon Ra St. Brown was their blitz beater. Hot route! Hot route! Red seven! (laughs) Red seven! Amon Ra St. Brown had 12 receptions in that game. The game plan was brilliant, and I'm I'm guessing that wasn't totally their plan coming into the game because David Montgomery got hurt very early. So all of this to say, I will take Ben Johnson over Todd Bowles eight days a week, every single time. And yes, this is an expensive spread when we have our concerns about the Detroit defense. But I'll say that I still give Detroit's defense a chance in this game, considering they have the number one pressure rate in the NFL this season, and the Bucs only rank 22nd in pass block win rate. And I agree completely with what Adam said. I don't give a damn what the Bucs did last week against the Eagles. He's right. The Eagles were a train wreck. I've seen better tackling when I covered high school football. It was a joke. So I'm very high on the Lions offense this week. 
I think they're going to play freer after a high pressure game last week with the weight of the city on them. I mean, I'm going down narrative street now, Matt, but like, there's no way they're going to feel as much pressure this week as they did last week. They got the monkey off their back for the city last week. So I, I'm pretty confident Detroit's going to score a lot of points in this game. The, the thing about all of this is like, yeah, they blitz a ton, but the thing is, is they, they don't get home with it very often. They were 26 in the NFL in pressure rate over the course of the season. So it's like, yeah, exactly. they, blitz a, they blitz a ton, but they don't get home with those blitzes very often. And so I can tell you this, if you don't get home against Jared Goff in this offense with the ridiculous amount of different ways that they can go about beating you, it's going to be bad news for Tampa for sure. The other thing just so in support of my, my over here, because I think Detroit scores a lot in this game. Also, Dan Campbell's also proven like fourth downs, like he didn't, he didn't care. Right. I mean, like he's going for it on fourth. Like I'm, he's not settling for three. Like, I mean, yeah, I might come away with an empty possession or something like that, but I'm also just as likely to come away with seven instead of three in this thing. If it's fourth and less than five, his ass is going for it. Like we do not have to worry about this anymore with this team. He's shown what he's going to do. And so um, there's, there's two sides of that coin, Matt, it could go wrong the other way. But the point is like, that's the side, that's the coach I want to bet on, right? Like the one that's aggressive. I'm betting on ceilings here. I'm not betting on floors. By the way, if you're, yeah, yeah, if you're looking at the Jared Goff thing and the pressure issues that he's had this year, I think Steven laid out a good case about the health of the offense. But the other thing is you are choosing to close one eye and open the other because Jared Goff was 43rd by PFF grade under pressure this year, and Sweet Baker Mayfield was 37th. So <laughs> it works both ways if you're yep. trying to make a handicap on Tampa. Yeah, and again, I'm not 100% positive that Tampa's going to be getting home. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not. Like, I'm, I'm not 100% positive that he's going to be under pressure all the time. So that's... It's the best offensive line in the league when healthy. Yeah, that, that leads me to the handicap as well, right? Which is just like, I don't... I don't think he's going to be under pressure all that much. Okay. They get to him a couple of times. So be it. Right. But I mean, I don't think it's going to be a full game of him running for his life out there for sure. And, and Steven, you did say you, you, you said it for sure. There was a Baker was great. Don't get me wrong. Baker was good. There was a lot of yak in that game. I mean, there was, they had a hundred yak was, in the first quarter. Yeah. Like there was a lot of yak in that game. Like with David Moore and Trey freaking Palmer. Wasn't yeah. even Godwin and Evans. Yeah. I mean, so let's just, let's pump, pump the brakes the a little bit. Yeah. yeah just a, a little bit on what was going on there. I mean, there was literally some of the worst tackling I've ever, I mean, guys were running into each other out there and falling down on the field. I mean, we're like, we're just, a week removed from this offense scoring 22 points combined in week 17 and 18 with their season on the line. Like, let's, let's remember that too about the Bucks. Adam, I, I, as I'm sitting there watching it, like I, it's you'll get the reference. I don't know if Stephen will, but I, like as as the Eagles are sitting there running around, like twirling around in circles, doing everything in the world other than tackling people. I'm just like, I'm just like this is actually the perfect game for like the Benny Hill music to be playing in the background. Like it actually was like the perfect game. Like yakety sacks, which is yeah, perfect for all the uh, yak yeah, there was. Like Bradbury going up, and it was like that was the epitome of the entire Bradbury going up. And hitting Rashad White three and a half yards short of the first down and not even opening his arms to wrap around. He literally just laid a shoulder into him. And then White goes, oh, wait, you're not going to try to tackle me? Okay, then I guess I'll just run for the first down. And then he just like went, went and ran for the first down. Like, all right, that's that's the epitome of this game right there. Like this, that Eagle squad. Yeah, that was just, 
that was pathetic. All right, fellas, let's uh, let's wrap things up here. It is our Sunday uh, evening football game. It is the Chiefs and the Bills. We are looking at expensive two and a halfs and cheap threes on the Bills out there. Forty five and a half is our total. Steven, this is a uh, this is a Bills squad that kind of changed its identity once they changed offensive coordinators throughout the course of the season, became a little bit more run heavy, played a little bit more ball controls style of offense. And then I've been the first one to rag on this Chiefs offense all year long. I'm still not going to say that one piece of sample size, one game of sample size is going to change my mind. I still am not jumping up and down about this Chiefs team at all, despite the fact that Rasheed Rice did end up going nuclear last week and Maybe, maybe they have finally figured out a wide receiver one there. It only took them a whole season to to figure it out. But here we are, two and a half or three, 45 and a half is the total. Anything in your account? Um, I have Bill's AFC futures from mm-hmm. two months ago. And I think I'm screwed this week. I think the <laughs> Bills are, you know, had about as as bad of a outcome in that Steelers game as they could have had despite winning the game. They have way too many injuries this week for me to ignore. Uh, Stephon Diggs is apparently now dealing with something. Uh, Sean McDermott said he would be limited at best on Friday in practice. Gabe Davis looks like he's not going to play. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, cluster injuries at linebacker. Teron Johnson is still in the concussion protocol. Now he has always passed the protocol in the same week, despite the fact that multiple concussions, he's had like five of them. Uh, Apparently the average time to come back from a second or subsequent concussion is 12 days. And he's coming back in the same week every single time. So, uh, you know, bills must have the magic concussion test up in Buffalo, but um, it is good that Rasul Douglas is probably going to be back their top corner here. I think Travis Kelsey is going to eat in this game. He's already been really successful over and over again in like six games against the Chiefs or against the Bills since 2020. And now that was with Matt Milano most of the time, as Mo noted, you know, super fan, super Chiefs fan on our staff. And Matt Milano is on IR. Most of their other linebackers are banged up now. So I bet over 60 and a half receiving yards on Travis Kelsey. I teased up the chiefs in a couple of different spots i took the three when it was available but at this point i would have no issues betting chiefs money line here against the buffalo bills i think you are now looking at a bills defense that is closer to what we saw before their bye week when they had a bunch of injuries then as well and this at from week one to 12 before their bye week the buffalo defense was 14th in epa and they were 19th in success rate and now they have to face patrick mahomes so Um, I think this is just bad, bad timing for Buffalo, who also has two fewer days to prepare for this game than Buffalo, than Kansas City did. Yeah, uh, Adam, as I mentioned earlier, I took the Chiefs up five points in just an alt-line parlay, so I kind of like whatever, choose-your-own-teaser type thing. So I I took them up five points to the plus seven-and-a-half number. I also played under 46-and-a-half in this thing. Uh, it's kind of like Stephen. I, I just think that the Bills are, are pretty beat up. And with that, it's going to be a lot of running. It's going to be a lot of trying to protect the ball. It's going to be a lot of trying to keep the Chiefs on the sideline. This is not really a weather game, but is at least it's at least going to be ridiculously cold with enough breeze to where 
Uh, it could affect kind of long passes or like long kicks or anything like that. And so there's at least some of that that plays into it as well. But at the end of the day, other side of a touchdown, I thought I, I feel pretty comfortable with the Chiefs. And also, I just don't I don't see a scoring fest here. I don't see Rasheed Rice going crazy again for another 8-130, anything like that. I think it's just going to be a, a game that we saw for the majority of Chiefs games so far this season. And uh, the Bills playing a, a ton of, if it's not Cook, then Josh Allen doing it himself. Yeah, there's only one total this week that I feel confident in, and it's under in this game even at the number where yeah. it is right now 44 isn't that wild to say adam for a mahomes allen game by the way isn't that nuts it is not what past years would have suggested that you would be looking for that is for certain but uh, this joe brady offense has been a run heavy offense and you look at what kansas city has done and yeah they moved the ball very effectively last week against the miami dolphins but that beaten up Miami defense was still able to hold them in the red zone. And Andy Reid has shown a propensity for two things this year. One, nuggies. And yeah. two, field goals. <laughs> and so he's willing to take the three. And I think he's going to be continually willing to take the three in a game in which he's probably confident that Buffalo's run-heavy game plan is going to keep this game close throughout. So I don't want the side... I do want the under, and the one thing that I do want from a prop perspective is uh, Matt mentioned James Cook. And if you go back to the first game that these teams played, uh, by the way, I'm just letting everybody know the next 10 minutes after I say this are going to be about whether Kadarius Tony uh, should have been called for offensive offside. <laughs> but no, uh, no it, they're definitely not. Um, James Cook right now, rush-receive combined is 83 and a half. Uh, they, in the last game that they got together, uh, James Cook ran it 10 times and was targeted five times. Uh, if you take that together, you see that in that last game, he had 141 yards on those 15 touches. And that's with Josh Allen running the ball 10 times mm -hmm. in that game. I think you are live on anything that puts the ball in James Cook's hands repeatedly. Uh, 15 feels like a pretty reasonable number for a guy who has taken over as the clear number one back. And for a Kansas City team that we know Spag's going to blitz. If they're going to blitz, then I feel confident there's also going to be some screen game in there to James Cook. Yeah, the one of the interesting, I think, looks at this one that you can pretty much like again like we talk about same game parlays and we get it you know whatever i'd save the angry tweets or something but like some people like to do them for fun some people like think that, that actually there is an edge there and i i, I think there's some correlation between the under and rush attempts for the bills overall now whether that is cook whether that's josh allen whether it's both whether it's whatever i think that there's some correlation there that you could put into like an sgp i also think that there could be a correlation to uh, the Chiefs and liking the Chiefs just overall, if you like the under, I, again, I don't see, I feel like if you like the Bills, you probably like the over because I think that you need the Bills to score a bunch in this game. I think that that's what the game plan that you, that you're kind of envisioning here. Now, like why we, while we, while the Chiefs off defense is not that top three defense and on this ridiculously historic pace, like we were saying at the beginning of the year, over the second half, like, look, they're still like, 
13, 14, 15 in the various categories. It's not like they're a bad defense. They just kind of fell off a little bit over the course of the second half of the season from this like ridiculous pace that they were on. So I think that you've got to look at the Bills and that the Bills figured out a way to get it done against this defense. They figured out a way to put some points on the board and and Patrick Holmes and them are likely to be able to find some some success against this defense. Y'all mentioned the injury report. We don't have the official one on Friday yet. All we can do is tell you what happened on Thursday. We we highly recommend you go in and just type in Bill's injury report into the Google machine if you want to look a little further. But what we can say, Benford DNP, Bernard DNP, Gabe Davis DNP, Taylor Rapp DNP, Spectre DNP, Stephon Diggs on Thursday DNP. They're saying maybe it was just rest for a foot thing that he's kind of dealing with. And then you look, one, two, three, four, five other guys, limited practices as well along the way. So it's just, Bills are just completely beat up here. So it's going to be like another, like, overcoming the odds type thing for this team. I liked them. I, I, I'm like with you, Steven. I have a 16-1 to on them to win the AFC. I'm almost counting that ticket dead. I, I don't think they make it out of this week. If someone wanted to bet the Chiefs money line, I think it's fine. I mean, I think it's fine to bet the Chiefs money line. It wouldn't shock me if we're talking about this next week and the Chiefs won this thing by double digits. It wouldn't, it, like, that wouldn't surprise me. Would it, Adam, would that surprise you? If we were talking about this game and we're saying, like, wow, you know, whatever, blah, 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 like, would you, w- would it shock you at all if this game was Chiefs 27 17 or something like that? When I tell you that there's next to no outcome, that I would believe is impossible for this game. I really, truly believe it because both of these teams have shown you both sides of the coin all season long. Now, I would be very surprised based on what you and I have already said if the total was something like if you know we had a 31-24, 33-20. I don't think that we're going to see a shit ton of poll. Well, we'll take that out. I don't think we're going to see a ton of points. Uh, what I've been game. told, Adam, is that everything is fair game except the F word. So say shit all you want, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's it's, it's now the it's, yeah, it's now that, the not Pat, a lot of points. It's now the Pat McAfee rule in media. It's like it's like anything that they say on their show, you can now say because like they made it hold, normal. And so hold yeah. on, hold on. Here go my sleeves. I'm I'm ripping out. I'm ripping off my yeah. sleeves right now. We're going full <laughs> yeah. McAfee. Yeah, uh, yeah I, but Matt, to your point. Yeah. I could be convinced of a 10-point Buffalo win. I could be convinced of a 10-point Kansas mm-hmm. City win. The range of outcomes for me is as wide in this game as it is in any this week. Uh, any player props here out on the Chiefs side of things? It's really outside of the Kelsey. It's just hard to know. I mean, do we go back to the Rasheed Rice? Well, I guess is the is is the big question. Like, did they figure out something in and I'm calling it their bye week because they rested all their starters in, in week 18 that, hey, Rasheed Rice can actually step up and be the dude. Like, Rasheed Rice can actually be our, like, wide receiver one. Do we believe that there's any chance at all of any sort of repeat performance from Rasheed Rice in this game? Adam, any hot hard takes on that one? I'm going to let the Rasheed Rice thing sit because I think that's been discussed uh, quite well, and, and Stephen, if you want to go after it, that's fine. I'm going to give you a little bit of a long shot idea here and bet it appropriately if you decide it's for you. If you think that this Buffalo linebacking core in particular is so beaten up that they're not going to be able to defend anybody. However, you also believe that Travis Kelsey is going to get a lot of attention. 
I'm going to submit for your consideration Justin Watson. And how about something like 40-plus receiving yards at plus 360 yeah. on Justin Watson? I think there's a, a chance to play the variance when it comes to how you think Kansas City will attack Buffalo and not have to get involved with, are they going to throw three guys at Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I Matt, I'm a little concerned about betting inflated Rashi Rice numbers this week, knowing that he's probably going to see a lot of Rasul Douglas coming back from injury, who's been really good for Buffalo at corner this year. I'd be more likely to try and target, you know, again, these injuries in the middle. That's what made me go Travis Kelsey. I like Adam's angle because, you know, we've been kind of unsure who's going to get the most snaps at receiver outside of Rice for Kansas City. But in recent weeks, it has been Justin Watson in the two tight end sets and also still on the field in the, in the three wide receiver sets. So I think that's a good look for Adam. On the Bills side, if if Diggs is this banged up and he's had a lot of games down the stretch with less than 50 receiving yards, then I, I almost have to, by default, go to Dalton Kincaid and look at what's available for him. And also with Gabe Davis out again, I, I like this Khalil Shakir kid. I think he's got some juice. I think he's shifty. I think he can separate. You know, he had 105 yards in that, you know, win the division game in week 18 against Miami. He had three for 31 and a touchdown against Pittsburgh last week. So I think he's very much a part of the game plan at this point for Buffalo. So, um, you know, just kind of browsing our prop finder tool here for Khalil Shakir. He's sitting at 32 and a half receiving yards. Uh, juice to the over on two and a half receptions. You know, anytime touchdown still going to be pretty decent at plus three thirty available on Khalil Shakir. So that would be the guy outside of at least in the passing game outside of Kincaid. I'd be looking at. Let me uh, let me shift back to Adams because uh, I was just doing some research while you guys were while you were talking there. So Adam, the the seventeen and a half receiving yards is the actual number on Watson. As you said, you mentioned even some some alts on him. What do you think Justin Watson's average depth of target is? <laughs> I'm going to say a dot on Justin Watson is about 17 or 18. 18.9 yards. Yeah. Why do you think I'm giving Justin, you an alt, an alt receiving number? Yeah. So Justin Watson. So like his number is 17 and a half and his average depth of target is 18.9 yards down the field. So you basically just need him to get open once. I, I mean, like to, to hit that number. And then if you... Again, if he gets open twice, you're going to hit an alt number. So that's basically what we're what we're looking at for him. That's absurd. Like just for just for comparative purposes, guys. Like Jamar Chase's a dot is nine point one, and it's like Jamar freaking Chase, and like Justin Watson's a dot is eighteen point nine yards. Like it's just it's that's what he's used for. They just huck it down the field to him, and all you need him to get open once. And, Week seventeen against there. Cincinnati, three targets, one catch. For 41 yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. Like, again, that's what that's what he does uh, in this game. Guys, everything we do, absolutely free at the lines. Please, if you haven't already, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up in this thing and let us know in the comment section how you are going to play any of these games. Of course, there's tons of articles over at thelines.com. If you want to go in, see how everybody else is looking at these things, you can look at the various videos in the channel as well. We do have differing opinions this week amongst people at the uh, at the staff, so be sure and go in and take a look at all that stuff. And, of course, if you want to actually discuss it with people, 
upper right-hand corner, you'll see the little Discord guy. Hit the little Discord, and uh, that is absolutely free as well with everything. But two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Can't wait to see what we get whenever we're heading into the final four. For Adam, for Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Elite Eight bets.